0: Ponderings Podcast. We are glad to have you with us for this episode where we pause, ponder, and then project. You are in for a treat this week. The First Lady of the Poitras household will be sharing some stories with us about God's miraculous provision for His people. We invite you to get comfortable and enjoy this uplifting episode. So we turn it over to this week's host, Linda Poitras. Hello, this is Sister Linda Poitras and I am coming to you with the Poitras Ponderings podcast where we pause ponder and project for the portress has had a very long and profitable day so he has given me the assignment of talking to you and that will be my sincere pleasure and privilege tonight and today we are talking about miracles and missions and obviously there is no way to recount all of the miracles that took place in our lives in the 28 years that we served in Africa. So we're going to talk about some very personal ones. I'm going to mention a few that were very um, personal and close to our hearts. Um, we thank God for every, every time that he took care of us and protected and delivered and the way that he moved and blessed and all of the wonderful things that were accomplished for his kingdom. But these few stories that I'm going to tell you are very, very personal. I want to start by talking about the fact uh, that I had never met Brother Porteous's family. The last podcast that I was on, we talked about so many things about our story, but to me, one of the miracles was that even though I had never met his family, who, except for his brother Henry, who is a precious man of God and who was at our wedding as Jim's best man, the, the rest of the family do not serve God, did not serve God, and um, didn't have a lot to do with God. But through the years... And through our time as a family member and through my time as trying to get acquainted with them and to try and help them to feel a part of our new family that we were developing all overseas in Africa, that I had to do something. so as our relationship had developed through writing, I wrote his parents. I wrote his mom. I wrote his grandmother. Um, I sent pictures. I sent uh, everything we could possibly share with them that would be something that they would be interested in. And the Lord gave us favor. He especially gave me favor with his mother, which had been one of my major intentions. Um, Jim's stepfather was a very quiet man, but his mom was a very dominant figure in their family. And so I wanted to get acquainted with her and to share in our life with her. So I did everything I could to keep in contact was, wrote them so much. And the first time we visited in May of 1986 on deputation in Canada, I was blessed to meet his whole family. And to meet his mom and his grandmom and his grandpa and it was a it was a wonderful time, but it was so amazing to me, I was totally flabbergasted. his mom, who didn't go to church, who was not really interested in church, she would come and hear her boys speak once in a while. And she would come and hear us some when we were on deputation. And when she came to church, she would always wear a dress, she would always put her hair up. <laughs> she would always try to emulate what she had seen in those pictures that I sent. And it was it was very interesting to me that she felt so strongly about that. We prayed for her for a long time and The Lord gave me favor, gave our family favor with her, but she never felt the need to follow God. I just know that the Lord will do right by her, and He will bless the efforts that we made, and we thank Him for that. So that was something that I wanted to mention because never meeting her before was was quite the deal. Then let's talk about some of the first things that happened when i arrived in nigeria you've already heard that story Um, the missionaries had not preceded me very much before i got there they had not been there long and actually the day that i arrived their container had arrived the day before and in that container was a shipment of used clothing that they used for um, sharing with the ministry in the nation of Nigeria, and my job, along with uh, Brother Garrison's mom, who was there for a visit, and um, anybody else that would help us, was to take that container load of used clothing and sort it, and get it in men's and women's, and um Suits and shirts and trousers and socks and ladies' clothes and just sort it all out. And there was an empty building, which later became the AIM apartment, that was used for that purpose. And so we spent days and weeks going through all of that stuff and trying to hang it and organize it so that the, pastor, the pastors could come and just choose, like going to, like going to a store and choose what they wanted and take it home. And each pastor was allowed to get uh, several suits and there were ties and there were so many different things that were were provided there. And so there was a precious pastor from Emo State about three hours away from the village where uh, the headquarters was located. And he came with his precious wife and he found some trousers and he found a shirt he found some shirts, but he was a big man, and so there were not as many things available for him, and he was not able to find even one suit, and so they traveled back to the town that they came from. It actually was quite a large town, and it was the three hours drive. And you have to understand, they they came on the motorcycle, so that was an interesting ride, you know. And um, he went home and. In sleep, one of the first nights when he got home asleep, he said the Lord came to him in a vision and showed him his suit. And he saw it as clear as day, and he saw the missionary's mother holding it up and showing it to him, and he tried it on. and It was a perfect fit. And so he turned around and came back. Well, when he came back, he said, I've come to get my suit. And we were like, Brother Inge, you've already been here. Um... And we couldn't find anything that you could wear. He said, it's my suit is in there. I have seen it and I know exactly what it looks like. So now I'll be able to find it. And so we said, "Okay." And so we went across the the road to the to where the house was and went inside and he walked straight up to the rows of coats hanging there and he picked one out and it was red It was a light burgundy color, and he put it on, and sure enough, it was a perfect fit. And you should have seen the smile on his face because God cared enough for him to make sure that he had his suit. And we were all rejoicing with him, and he wore that suit so many times. I have some of the most amazing pictures. It's amazing how much God cares for us. And you might say, you know, well, that's a small thing, but for him it was a big deal. And we thank God because we were, I was there to witness that. One of the interesting things of living in that part of the world in West Africa was the um, unsettled governments that we dealt with. And that area had been a part of or was definitely a part of the Biafran War. Back in history, in the late sixties, early seventies, it was a civil war in the nation of Nigeria, and it was quite devastating. And the nation was still recovering from that when I arrived in the early eighties, nineteen eighty one, and so it was. It was quite a situation. Years later, when after I was married and we still lived in Nigeria, but we had moved to the city of Enugu. Um, you you just never knew. We would always say you never know. You go to bed tonight, and when you get up tomorrow, the whole world could be different. They could have changed all of the currency, and you would have to get rid of all of your money and get new money. And that's another story in itself. Um, there could be a brand new government. There could be any kind of change, things you can't even imagine. And so it was just the way life was at the time of this particular story. We were living in a, um, in The Bible school was there. And we had, we had two, uh, two beautiful little girls, babies. Um, uh, Melinda was about one and a half or so, two, a little past two maybe. And Kendra was an infant. And, uh, their bedroom was located right there was a, uh, Beside our bedroom, there was a bathroom, and it had two doors. So from our bedroom, you went into the bathroom, and then there was another door that went into the girl's bedroom. And they slept in the room together. And I can remember one night after we had put them to bed and had gone to sleep. I was sound asleep, and the Lord woke me up. Um, it seemed as though something had entered the room. I didn't see anything, but I felt it so strong. And the first thing I felt was a spirit of fear, so strong that it woke me up and stood me straight up. I just got right out of the bed. Now, <laughs> in some in some places, you would wonder why would you get up if you're afraid, but that was just how it affected me. I just stood up and I don't know if I was checking outside to see what was going on or what, but I remember so strong that I began to rebuke that spirit of fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so I began to rebuke fear, which was one of the major things that we dealt with in the nation of Nigeria all the time. And Rebuked that fear, and I remember walking back and forth. There was a window at the f- the head of the bed, and I would walk to that window and then walk down to the foot of the bed and walk back and I was talking to the Lord and rebuking the fear, and the fear went away, but I couldn't go to sleep. I just continued to go back and forth. I never knew exactly what was wrong, but I knew that something was happening in the spirit, and so I was just talking to God in a language that I didn't know, even know what I was talking to him about. But I did that for quite some time until I felt a release that I could lay down again. It just happened to be on a Saturday night, and we were supposed to be going to church the next morning, obviously. And we were um, attending the church there in Anugo, so we weren't going to be traveling out, which was good. But. um I remember going to sleep and no problem then when I laid lay down and went to sleep after I had talked to God. It was okay and I could sleep peacefully. No problem. Nothing bothered me. Um, there was no indication of any problem outside. I couldn't see anything in the compound or on the street. There was just, you know, no, nothing going on that you could see. But in the morning, um, we had a phone call that we could a phone in our house that you could call each other. That was about all you could call, but you could call each other. And the Garrison called us and he said, don't go out of the house today because last night there was a very serious coup in the country and we have a new leadership in our country. Well, when those things happened, you, you never knew how long the lockdowns would last or how long you would be forced to stay inside or how long... Anything would happen. Uh, we had been in one previously when we lived in the village, and uh, we were on curfew with that one for several weeks and It just so happened that the freemans came to see us during that one. but this one um, in Anugu was was very um, interesting and it was fearful because of the uncertainty of what was going on. you know when the government is replaced like that, you just don't know what's going to happen so We were there for, I don't even remember how many days. I don't remember anything else about the coup. I just remember that God woke me up. I prayed. God gave me peace and I could go to sleep. And even when they told us that the coup was there, I was okay. I was there with my husband and two small children, but it was okay. And God was good to us. He protected us. He kept us. He kept the people. There was no major upheaval, and we give God the glory because he does protect his people who are in different parts of the world and who face these kind of situations all the time. The, um, one of the major things that happened to us during the time that we lived in the village um, we had a, a lovely Bible school there. The the village chief had given our church a very large area of land, between 55 and 60 acres of land. But the only problem was that land was right in the front of where the village stream was. People went to that stream for water. There was no running water in most of the homes Uh, If you had a well, sometimes there was a community well, but most everybody went to that stream. So they would come in our front gate and go in the compound. And 60 acres is quite a bit of space, quite a bit of land. The Bible school was there, the dormitory. There was a mission house on that property, and there was a very large farm. And then there was the stream, and everybody went to the stream. Well, at some point, the chief and the people in the village decided they wanted their land back. And so they began some uh, protest and some very subtle attacks that the students would be working in the fields and the villagers would come and harass them. And there were different things that were said and done, trying to intimidate us to leave. Well, this was before either one of our girls were born, and we still spent most of our days at the Bible school. And I can remember one day after being there all day long, I left the school and went to our home. We were staying in the mission house close to the headquarters church and I went to get supper prepared and the... Um the, the villagers had been very restless and we were concerned, but you know, nothing had happened, so we were just doing business as usual and we had supper and Brother Portress was concerned, so he took the car, the aim vehicle, and went back to the Bible school and he had some aimers in the car with him. And they were visiting with the students and just checking on everybody. And while they were there, the village came and attacked. My brother Portridge said he remembered he was in the boy's dormitory and they put him in the corner and kind of surrounded him while the villagers were shouting and screaming and going around breaking all of the windows in the entire dormitory. Uh, They they, uh, tore up the generator so there was no lights. Um, It was very dark but they could hear them. They could hear them talking and the the students kept saying, just stay right, don't move, just don't move. And, of course, everybody was praying. But uh, this attack went on for some time. Brother preacher said, I remember standing in that corner. And he said, all I could hear in my head was, was a message that Sister Evangeline Rodenbush had preached that we had a copy of, that we had listened to quite a bit. And she was um, preaching about, I don't even know, all of the things she preached about. Um, but, um, she was talking about stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And he said that verse just kept going over and over, over, over and over in my head stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the students are there and everybody's praying. And, and of course, there's all kinds of stuff going on outside and even inside because the villagers were just all over the place. And he said, um, I just kept standing there as long as I could hear that voice going, "Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord." I didn't move, and then he said. Eventually, that voice stopped, and when the voice stopped, I jumped out the wind I jumped out the window because they had torn up all of the 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 louvers on the on the window and the the screens and everything was just you know it was so the window was open. So he said, I jumped out the window and ran to the aim car that was parked right nearby. And he said when I did there were people all around me. The aimers came and there were even students. He said, I got in the car. I didn't even wait. The doors some of the doors were open and it took off across the, the soccer field to where the gate was. He didn't even go down the road. He just left just took the shortest route he could possibly get. And away they went. He said I knew I had to get help. And he went out the gate of the compound and he came by the house and only slowed down long enough for the aimer to jump out and come and tell me what was going on to continue down the road to go get the police. Because you couldn't call the police. If you wanted help, you had to go and get them from the police station. So that's what they were doing. I remember being in the office working, and there was a young man from the school, one of the staff, a Nigerian, who came to the door and he had obviously been in a fight. His eye was swollen. His lip was bleeding. His clothes were half torn off of him. And he said, First of all, Sister Porches, thank you for coming here and sharing the gospel with us. And I was just horrified at the way he looked. And I started asking him, Brother Israel, what's wrong? What happened? What's going on? And he was not even sure what to tell me of everything that was going on. But um, while he was still there, the aimer, we we went downstairs we followed him downstairs and we were standing in the driveway and the aimer came running up the driveway into the compound we saw the car slow down it didn't stop it slowed down enough for him to cl- jump out he came running he, he cleared the, the hedge jumped over the hedge and said brother the purchase is gone to get the police go inside and get anything valuable to you and come back and I went in the house and got my wedding album. <laughs> I didn't even get clothes. and I came out and I said, I'm ready." <laughs> and we went in the in the car we went to a little village church that was in a neighboring village right close to us. It was not that far away. There were not even any doors and windows on the church. But we had some lantern. We lit the lantern, and we began walking around in that church, singing and praying and asking God to protect our students, to protect our staff, to protect Brother Portress, to do a work. And I remember the song that we sang. It's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's amazing. What praising can do. Hallelujah. Well, I don't worry when things go wrong for Jesus. Fills my heart with a song. Oh, it's amazing what praising can do. Hallelujah. And over and over again we sang that and we prayed. I don't even know how long we were there, but it was hours. And when Brother Portress was finally able to come and tell us what was going on and what had happened and and where everybody was as much as he knew our students had run into the bush some of them we didn't even know where they were um, there were some injuries mostly from the cut getting cut with a the glass there were no serious injuries there were no no nobody was dead um, the villagers who had come. Um, It was very interesting because it was men and women who came to attack the school. And the women were telling the men to go ahead and rape our girls. But that didn't happen because God did not allow it to happen. So there were none of the girls who were hurt that way. And so we took our Bible school students to another, the, the paramount chief, to his house, to his compound. He was not even of our church faith but um, the missionaries with his that worked with him were good friends of ours and they were there they had a clinic they were there binding up all the wounds and they were getting food for the people to eat and they were out looking for the students that we did not know where they were some of them ran to the bush and spent the night some of them it was a day or two before we found them but we found them all Almost 90 students, and we found every one of them. No one was dead. No one was seriously injured. And God was definitely our shield and protector. Times like that, those are the times when you know, or you better know, this is the place God has called me to be, and I'm here for a purpose, and I'm not going to try and find the next way to get home. I'm going to stay right here because God is here. He did not go anywhere. He is here, and he has kept us in his hand. And that is what happened. Within a week, we were back in classes. We were having school again. They had repaired the Bible school building. The students were all better. We had been together and prayed with them and for them They knew that God had protected all of us, and we were back in classes again, studying God's Word in the very same place where the attack had happened. Because God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And He says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And He does that. He has done it. He still does it. And He will continue to do it. And I thank God because His miracle power is alive and well, not just in history but today and every day that we follow him. Well, that's all for this episode. We hope to have you back again next week. May your week be blessed.